Welcome back to the Football Zone with Nick Maltone. I'm Woody Brown. And this week is a big week, Woody. You want to talk really about that? It is a big week. It's a clash of titans. The winner of the Premier League last year is facing off against the runners-up as they battle this weekend. Manchester City against Arsenal. It's going to be a big game. My club versus Woody's club. It's going to be an absolute belter, I can yeah. already tell. And I think it's just going to be a tactically wonderful game. I mean, Arteta versus Pep, the student versus the teacher. I mean, who's who's the teacher now? I'd definitely say Pep <laughs> it's Guardiola. Still Pep, it's still Pep. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of factors that are going to change this game, like, you know, Rodri not being able to play, um, Saka picking up injuries. There's a lot. Like Those are two massive players, respectfully, in their own teams, which are definitely going to change the dynamics of how each team plays. Totally, and I think there's one key player for each team that is going to really have an impact on whether this game is a win for either team. For City, I think it's going to be Julian Alvarez because, man, he's just been on a, on a tear recently you know, with a brilliant goal in the Champions League that we'll talk about later. And then, as well as that, Kai Havertz. If Arsenal can get Kai Havertz on some type of form, you know, he's just scored their first goal for them this past weekend against Bournemouth in a 4-0 clash, thrashing. Uh, if he can get on form for them, I think that could be massive for their team. But you would argue it's difficult to get on form for them when the game is this weekend. Exactly. And that's why I think City are going to win, because he isn't on form. Well, I mean, he just, like you say, he just scored against Bournemouth. You got Odegaard, who looked honestly quite bad against Tottenham in a 2-2 draw. Um, but he really picked it up against Arsenal. I mean, not against Arsenal, for Arsenal, against Bournemouth. So, I mean, it's so difficult to undermine uh, Odegaard in these big games. Cause yeah, he's really, truly brilliant. Just because what, what a player he is. What a player. Another person out for City who, you know, the timetable is still unknown for his return is Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I feel like people just kind of forgot about him. I, I, I agree. For, I forgot about him. Well, because City are just so good that they even don't even, like, I mean, we still lost this past weekend, but still we are that good without him. Yeah, no, you guys are obviously really good. But I do you know I th- a bigger loss than, like, Losing Kevin De Bruyne, I think a bigger loss is losing Rodri. 100%. I think if you've been watching the games this, like without Rodri and how they've been playing, I think they kind of almost look like an entire different team just because of what Rodri brings to the field. I mean, Rodri's the cog. He's like he's like the fuel in the engine, you know? Yeah, no, he really is just the, the fuel that really brings them all together. So... I think uh, not having Rodri, I feel like he's been a massive player in every time Arsenal and Man City have clashed. Like when he scored a last-minute winner two seasons ago or just when we faced you guys in like last year. I think he's just been like a massive player that's dictated uh, the flow of the game. And without having him, I think it's definitely going to change how the game plays and how, how it ends up. Hundred so percent. Really, really could go anyway. Yeah, and you know, another factor is both teams played had a midweek midweek match this week. Uh, Arsenal took on Lens. What do you want to talk about that game? Yeah, I mean, it was it was going well until it wasn't. Um, well, until Bakayoko Saka had to be taken off 
uh, because of an injury just 30 minutes in. So you really like hate to see that as he picked up the assist for Jesus. And you know, after that, it was just kind of a slow, slow game. Not re- not much really happened until Lens uh, struck back in the 25th minute. And honestly, it was a pretty good goal. I can't even lie. It was like, it was like they. It was pretty poor distribution from David Raya, and um, he, he had like, a bad game. Yeah, I mean, if you if you like if you make a mistake that leads to the goal, obviously you're gonna have a bad game. Um, and basically they served it in. It's like a little bike assist, and like the angle that you had on the finish was like just perfect technique. The way he hit the ball. Um, and yeah, that was just kind of a, it was just kind of a tough game. It was just kind of slow. Didn't really feel like a Champions League game. It was almost like the Arsenal players didn't make it feel like it was a Champions League game as well. Um, but I, it's it's good having Jesus on the score sheet because I don't know, that's just what he needs. Like I've seen so many people talk about Jesus in terms of oh he's not a true number nine because he's not backing goals, but. I think now he's bagged a goal and obviously he's been playing well in the Premier League. I think that's what he needed coming into this City game where hopefully he can make stuff ha- uh, happen for us. Especially against his former club, you know. Exactly. It's, it's He started on such a tear uh, a, a year ago and it'll be interesting to see if he can regain that. Really, it really, It really will be interesting to see. But obviously Man City got the Got, got the, the win dub. this weekend. They did. It, it was really an interesting game. Uh no, it started off slow, and then we got uh, we bagged a goal early, like early-ish in the match. Phil Foden in the twenty-fifth minute, but then just after halftime, Leipzig, RB Leipzig out of Germany, uh, equalized. And you know what's funny is Timo Werner came in the game and he didn't really do much, which is interesting. The former Chelsea man, former FIFA legend, um, then he got all the way to the I, I believe it was like the eighty-fifth minute and. Pat Daka, you know, sub came on, just bought him for about 60 mil for, or Doku, Jesus. Doku came in in the, I'd say like 70 something minute. He was massive after that. He just was attacking, attacking the fullbacks of um, Leipzig. And he got the ball, beat his man, played it to Alvarez, one touch, beautiful finish in the top right corner. And the game was never the same after that. It was like Leipzig were forced to attack, and then City were just able to exploit them with Doku picking up another goal in the 92nd minute. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It still doesn't seem like the same dominant City. Like, yeah. I mean, like last year, you beat RB Leipzig like 7 0, and now you're beating them 3 1. Like, I feel like it's just almost not the same city there's just lots of different factors that i think have changed and like i think having last year of like what you guys did last year i think peppers maybe tried to change some things in the locker room to try and have that same year so like because obviously like you can't do the same thing two years in a row because people are gonna like people see caught on onto what you're doing obviously it's so difficult to stop then but um obviously peppers probably tried to change some things in order to have like in order for other teams to look at City in a different way and trying to defend that different system. But I don't know, it just doesn't seem as enjoyable or like free-flowing football as it used to. Yeah, it feels a little bit more rigid, a little bit more stiff. Yeah. And I think I think there's also like something to be said about having a couple new players come in, 
Matthias Nunez, Patsandoku, um, Guardiola. Like, these players are new and still have to get acquainted to the system. And, you know, even one piece that is messing up in a pep system can really, really impact a game. But even then again, like, you look at look at the chart on uh, FaultMob.com, like, the if you look at the possession, it was 68% to 32%. And there's this chart that shows, like, game flow and, you know, I guess just how much of the ball, how much the ball is in the opponent's half. If you look at it, it's it's all blue for city only only some sparks of red which i find really interesting yeah no it is really interesting and obviously that's like where they get their goal um and that just proves like i don't know how like it almost seems like how clinical teams are against city i feel like it's almost against city because of like the fewer chances that they get um like the more they're gonna grab those chances yeah so as 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 you look at City, you can see multiple spikes of them having dominance, and like they're just not creating goals off that. And um, whereas yeah. RB Leipzig had like two spikes, and they scored on one of them. Yeah, they had one shot on target, and they made it. So it's clinical, clinical stuff from RB Leipzig. But we're gonna move back to the Premier League and talk about this past weekend. Lots of controversy. Lots of thrashings, really. And lots of surprise uh, teams. It really was a lot of surprise teams. Some teams picking up their first Premier League win in club history. Luton Town. Congrats. Luton, Luton Town, man. I just, I'm just rooting for them. I want them to stay in, stay up. What do you think, Woody? I mean, it's a bit dead, honestly. I feel like if you watched the championship game that like or like the playoffs that got them into the Premier League... Mm-hmm. I don't know, they just didn't seem like a Premier League caliber team as we've seen um, this year already. But I don't know, it's always a good to have an underdog story. They beat Everton. Yeah, but Everton aren't very good. Everton are really mudded, man. It just like doesn't. They're really just not that good. Like, you've got Calvin Lewis who's like scoring goals, but in no way... That back line should not be legal. And like with that goalkeeper as well, like... I don't know, like, it's difficult because, like, Everton are such, like, an old club and they've been in the Premier League for so long. And then to get beaten by this new Luton town, I don't know. It's just, I don't know what needs to change, but, it's, like, they just need to bring in younger, like, selling Damari Gray. That was a mistake. Like, they just need to keep these young, energetic players that are gonna, like, create a brand for this Everton football team. Like, obviously, every team has their own identity. Um, and Everton just doesn't have that identity yet. Obviously, it's... And, like, Luton Town have gone to Goodison Park, which is Everton's, like, home field. And they've gone there, and they've managed to beat them, which... Embarrassed yeah. them in front of their fans, man, a whole 40,000 of them. Yeah, and, like, you, you, sometimes you don't even see top teams going to Goodison Park and, like, winning in the way that Luton Town did. And, I don't know, just... I, I Something about Everton, they need to create an identity in the locker room and... The problems that they're having are much like that of Manchester United. It really is. And, you know, United just, what the heck is going on with them? Like, a loss to Crystal Palace, that, you know, a mid-table club that, you know, for the United of old would be bing, bang, boop, you know? It'd be, it would be bing, bang, boop. That's exactly be, right. It'd be just easy. And now they're losing, and then they lost again in the Champions League. Like, Yeah, it's a Galatasaray. It's just like mistake after mistake after mistake 
from each and every player. Like you, like I know Bruno's the captain, and it may say seven point five or whatever on Footmob, but he needs to step up and really lead this team. I feel like he's not leading in the team that in the way that he should. He isn't, and it's kind of crazy because he's such a strong player. Like he, I remember there were times when he was compared with Kevin De Bruyne. Do you remember that, Woody? I love those comparisons. They kind of remind me of the Darwin Nunez and, uh, and Holland comparisons. Like, people yeah. thought it was going to be like this. And you look back, and with a little bit of hindsight bias, you're like, who the hell thought that? I know. There, were, there was a lot of that going around. Um, and I don't know, just something about, like, Amrabat. Playing Amrabat at left back and playing Mount as an eight. Like, I don't know what Ten Hag is cooking, but he's cooking something odd. That's for sure. That back line is so, like, interesting. Dallo, Varane, Lindelof, Amrabat, and Onana. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, you can't... I I don't really mind the Dallo and the Varane. I really don't mind that. And there's not much you can really do about um, Luke Shaw and Lissandro Martinez. You know, Tyler, uh, Tyrell Malasia, Reguilon, like... Lissandro Martinez, Juan Basaka, all their fullbacks are injured. Like, yes, but still, Amrabat? Like, I don't know. Play three at the back at that point, man. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, going to three at the back would just completely change the system, and that's, I think that's not what Man United need right now. They need to create, like, they need to stay so consistent with something, and I feel like they can't try and, like, switch things up. They just don't have the depth that they need uh, to, be a top, to be considered a top premiership club. But I feel like that's been their issue for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it has, but something's got to change, and obviously nothing is changing. Nothing has. Let's let's give a quick rundown of the other games this weekend. Um, Aston Villa versus Brighton, Hoven Albion. Aston Villa smacked them up. They really did. And it wasn't close. I feel that happens to Brighton sometimes. Like, they look like one of the best teams in the Prem, and then they'll get smacked up, like, 5-0. It's just the Brighton way, you know, and then they'll sign some young Ecuadorian who will bag like three goals against City, Arsenal, and United, and you'll be like, okay, they're back. Then Chelsea will buy them for 120 M's. Exactly. I mean, it's good business. It's great business. And then we also had Newcastle 2-0 against Burnley. You know, we already mentioned the 1-0 game between United and Palace. Uh, Bournemouth lost to Arsenal 4-0. Thrashing up the Gunners. Come on, City. Even though City lost this past okay, you week. You can't say, come on, City. And then when you guys lose. We lost to Wolverhampton Wanderers against the Korean guy, according to Pep. According to Pep Guardiola. I feel like. Wang Hee Chan bagged the winning goal. It's kind of disrespectful Disrespectful by Pep. It was. Um, I, don't know, people, I, mean, I feel like people have kind of like taken it out of like like obviously it is in context but like he's like talking about how talented their front line is and like he's mentioning yeah. him as being of someone who is really talented in their front line um but obviously just calling him the korean guy just like come on pep like if he scores like you're gonna get clowned pep like that's on you yeah if we're being if, even here. though he you're right he was like talking yeah he, about he yeah him. he was like hyping him up he was like <laughs> these guys are he's very good very very good front line very talented very talented yeah, and then so obviously you're gonna receive some backlash um, if you like if you say something like that. Yeah, and we had only one Sunday game this week. Oh, Nottingham Forest that's a bit odd. V- draw versus Brentford. I mean, it's also a dead game. Snooze fest. 
to be honest. It really was. And then we had Chelsea picking up their first win against, what is it, their first win against a non-relegation club in like a year. Uh, John, tell me who's gone this game, Nick. I do want to tell you. It's the Ukrainian man himself, Mikhailo Mudrik. And what? And is that his first goal in a Chelsea shirt? It bang, is. Bang, 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 bang. After like 15 games. More than 15 games. Really? I mean, he was like playing for them last year, right? From like, I don't know, January? So. It could be. But yeah, I mean, he got his first goal. Um, it was a pretty good goal. Good ball from Colwell, like a little chip ball in between the uh, center halves. Obviously, they, they didn't deal with it too well. Um, good, took it down, and it was a composed finish. Composure. I hate to see my second club, Fulham, lose like this. It is very sad. And I'm seeing a lot of orange on the Fulham side. Yeah. It, a whole lot of orange. Dead game, except for the American himself. That's true. But, I mean, if you're, if you're letting Cucurella drop a 7.4... There's obviously something wrong with Fulham. Or even Caicedo, Conor Gallagher. Uh, I I kind of like Conor Gallagher. He's just an infinite cardio type of guy. Yeah, he's a good runner. He, he likes to run. He does. He and likes I, his cardio, especially for Chelsea. You know, that's big. Exactly. Run around and do nothing. Exactly. Okay, but the match biggest of the week. game. Biggest game, 100%. Most controversial game ever, Woody? It's up there for sure. So like, It's definitely up there. Tottenham Hotspur versus... Liverpool. Liverpool, big, big, big match between you know two big clubs, because currently Tottenham are sitting second in the Premier League, above City. I mean, uh, above Arsenal, above United, above Liverpool, and they've been on a roll recently. But the story of this game was VAR. You know, in in, in the first thirty minutes, we had a VAR decision. Um, it was a yellow card originally against. Uh, you know, uh, Liverpool midfielder Curtis Jones, and then it was upgraded to a red card. Now, Woody, we disagree on this call. Like, you think it's a red, but I think to give a red in the 26th minute for something where they've gone 50-50 at the ball, and because of, like, the wet surface and, like, the way, like, how the ball is literally like a sphere, mm-hmm. like... Of course, of course, like, so So you have, who was it? It was Jose Sarr, wasn't it? It was. Who was, um... He, 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 wasn't he receiving the ball? No, it was literally a 50-50. It, oh, it was a so, 50-50. So a ball was rolling, and Curtis Jones and Sarr both approached the ball, and they both kicked the ball. None of, As they're both kicking the ball, none of the studs are actually showing... Um, which is what referees uh, look for often in these types of tackles to determine whether um, there's some serious foul play or like a red that should be involved. Um, and as, as so they both kick the ball, and because of the of like where uh, Curtis Jones hit the ball and where Saar hit the ball, Curtis Jones' foot consequently went over the ball after hitting the ball went over the ball and his uh, studs and his cleats goes into the high ankle of Saar, which was then overturned to be a red card, and which I, I think is very unfair. I, I, But I also think you cannot blame the referees for this decision. You see the high studs onto the ankle. That's a dangerous play. And like, Yeah, but you're taking that context out. Like, the way the referees saw it, 
and how VAR was used in this instance. They it was used in slow motion and in picture frames, which is not how you should view a tackle like this. <coughs> of course, if you're gonna if you can take a snapshot and you see his like cleats are high and it's going right into his high ankle, anyone who sees that's like, oh yeah, that's a red. But if you watch the entire clip in full like speed and normal speed. You're just gonna think, okay, fifty-fifty. Sure, Sars come out on a little bit worse. But, but I, but I believe Sar beat him to the ball. Like he had already gotten his foot on the ball, and he was ahead of Curtis Jones. Ahead of Curtis Jones. I'd like, like what I mean is like he had beaten Curtis Jones to the ball just slightly, but enough to the fact that it was kind of a later. It like it wasn't a late challenge, but like it was later than Sar. That makes sense. I, I just think giving a straight red, just because of like, because as you're watching, you can see um, how the referees view the, each and every challenge. And you saw that they were viewing it in slow motion, which is exactly how you shouldn't view those types of challenges. I understand. Now, what's interesting is 10 minutes later for Spurs, uh, Hyungman Sun scored and he was assisted by Richarlison. So clearly had an impact on the game major no controversies there just a simple just a simple simple uh nice guy Hyungman's son and then as a matter of fact liverpool then equalized playing with 10 men in the just before halftime cody gakpo got a goal and he was assisted by virgil van dyke you know the center back for liverpool and then and then in the 68th minute diogo jota comes on or no Diego Jota comes on in the 46th minute. A little halftime substitution. For Cody Gakpo, who had just scored, which is an interesting decision. Well, he was in, he got injured. He did? Oh, yeah. okay. And Diego Jota in the 68th minute picks up a yellow card. His first yellow of the game. What happens was, a minute later? Well, it was actually a very, if you actually look at the like the yellow, like, I forgot who, who was running beyond him. It was either Bas- uh, Basuma or Udogi. And they're running, and like... Um, and Jota kind of runs like perpendicular behind them, mm-hmm. and then from an angle, like it literally looks like he doesn't even touch them, and like he's trying to get out of the way, but like he clips him, um, not intentionally, but obviously he's still on a counter attack, and it right. leads to uh, a booking, like you said, for uh, for Diego Jota. But still, after getting a yellow card, you can't make a rash challenge like yeah. the next one he made a minute later. Yeah, no, that was just silly. Like, like trying to dribble in your own half and then losing the, um, and then lo- and then losing the ball, and then making that type of sliding tackle just to like take him out and getting out, not getting like not even close to the ball. Um, I mean, you're obviously gonna get a second yellow for that, and yeah, and that was kind of. I just, uh, from from that second red, I mean, it just kind of ruined the game from there. Honestly, it was already ruined. I mean, when ten Curtis minutes Jones hard got, enough. It was already ruined when Curtis Jones got the red so early on. Yeah, but there was another controversy this game, Woody. There was another controversy. Uh, honestly, I think the biggest refereeing mistake that I've ever witnessed. I think it's got to be up there. I think, um, I feel like, but like we always say this, like we always say. You know, VAR, like, something has to change, and then nothing ever changes. Like, people still keep VAR um, in place, and, like, the way they've kind of uh, been officiating different games, and it's still mistake after mistake after mistake. And in this instance, 
probably, like you said, one of the biggest mistakes that we've ever seen. Yeah, it really was. So to provide some context for you all who may not have seen it, um, uh, Luis Diaz makes a run in behind. He gets a pass, I believe it was from McAllister. It was from Salah. Salah, from Salah. And Diaz was looked, looked just barely on from in real time. And he goes and he he you know gets the run gets the ball receives it he's a he's a very speedy player Luis Diaz that man very skilled really good player and he gets in behind looks like he timed the run to perfection he gets in he goes and he scores the ruling on the field is offside and when you look at VAR he is onside very clearly onside even after like they don't even have to draw the lines like they still do draw the lines can never be too sure um but yeah, after they like draw the lines, like everyone's checking with each other, they're like, yeah, check complete, all is good, goal's good. And as they're looking at the VR screen, they're not looking about what's happening on the field. And the on field referee, Simon Hooper, hears check complete. And obviously, like I said, the on field decision was offside. So when the referee hears check complete, they then resume play. And then they soon very realize that, that they've the made goal a mistake. Was ruled offside on the field when in reality it was clearly onside you know i don't blame the linesman for getting that wrong that's that's you know it was a it was a tight tight one but yeah it was but that type of miscommunication cannot happen in a prem game like it's too important of a game for that to happen yeah i mean yeah, especially like biggest week uh biggest game of like the week and uh, they just kind of got so frantic about it and then a decision like had to be made about whether to bring the game back in terms of like stop play, like delay play, like one of them was saying, and then allow and like let them tell Simon Hooper that they'd made a mistake, but they went against it when like it's so difficult to say like what you would have done that situation because everyone knows what the right decision was now, right? Um, but in like the heat of the moment and like trying like just stop a game to bring back a goal that was two plays prior. Yeah, like I don't know. It's 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 it is very difficult to make that decision. It is, and you know, it's a lot of people like Jurgen Klopp was quoting saying we need to redo the game, and I think that's a little bit outlandish. Like that's not going to happen. But yeah, like the way these things affect the game is just massive. And uh, like, and it just completely. Um, imagine if Liverpool go up one nil, um, with ten men. Like you, like you have no idea what is going to happen. Yeah. Exactly, you know idea how the game's going to turn out, and you know Tottenham might not win this game if that first goal stands. And Tottenham still only barely won it by the skin of their teeth. You know, it took a 96th minute own goal by Joel Matip to like win it for Spurs. Which yeah, that was such a dead weight. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I mean I'm a Tottenham hater, so so I think that's just a dead weight to end the game. <laughs> it's biased. I'm sure, I'm sure people found it exhilarating to see a last minute winner. Last like, minute loser, like a la- but like a last minute winner on an own goal, like that's just it's a bit dead. And Alison Becker played so well. He's just so class, man. I feel like he's the rock for Liverpool. Like he's he never falters except for that one rough patch he had. But then, even then again, he secured Champions League football for them later that season. Yeah, I mean he played so well in this game, and he he truly deserved like a for this game to end in a draw, but. No luck, no bueno for. Unfortunate for the Reds. It really was unfortunate. 
All right, well, that'll be all for us this week on The Football Zone with Nick Martone. And Woody Brown. And thank you, everyone, for listening to 88.9 The Bridge, KMIH, Mercer Island.